0: Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another
1: Rahulastapa. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will
2: keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Neek, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta Street Party. And
1: don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.
2: Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. Only at Sleep Number Stores or SleepNumber.com.
0: Hello, welcome to yet another episode of Rahalastaba, this time with the amazing Sophie Duker. Um, Remember, you can catch these Rahalastabas live most Wednesdays at 8pm on twitch.tv rkherring. Just taking a couple of weeks off because we've got a few in the bag. But we'll be back very soon. Every Thursday you can watch Ali and Herring's Twitch of Fun at 8pm. And usually Monday's about 7.30, Me One versus Me Two snooker. There may be more stuff to come. It's all very worth having a watch. RK Herring... Twitch.tv slash RK Herring. That's how you find me. And if you're with Amazon Prime, remember you can link your accounts and give me £5 every month at no extra cost to yourself. That would be very nice if you can be asked. Um, We've also got another Kickstarter running. The profits are not going to us, but we're going to donate all profits to live comedy to help live comedy go through this difficult situation. So we'll be donating it to some comedy clubs. Uh, It's snooker-based. You can get this amazing Punani sticker album. uh, And... 40 stickers to collect, plus lots of other extras, including cool T-shirts, a donkey T-shirt. And uh, look at that. And um, all sorts of other stuff. Uh, ralastoper.co.uk slash kickstarter. We have to hit the target or we don't get any money. I would very much like to exceed the target, which is £20,000. We're doing pretty well. It's ticking along. But uh, if you feel like donating a little bit of cash just to help out live comedy, or to get some of these fabulous rewards, rohelastapa.co.uk slash kickstarter. Let's sit back, relax, and enjoy Rohelastapa with Sophie Duca. Thank you for watching and listening. Goodbye. Hello! Please welcome a man who's back from holiday. It's Richard Herring. Thank you. I'm very hot. Welcome. To, uh, I put this shirt on fresh. Look at it. Already streaking with sweat. I've only been here for mere seconds. Please welcome, very welcome to Richard Herring's Leaving Seagulls Titbits podcast. Um, though I was hanging out at the Smuggler's Adventure in Hastings. It's like a network of caves that go underneath Hastings that the pretending smugglers used to inhabit. Well, there's no evidence of that whatsoever, but it's a way of making a living. And Harry Jack there, he's a man who appears in... The videos is a sort of ghost smuggler figure who looks very much like the actor Kevin Eldon. I reckon it was recorded in about nineteen ninety nine. Anyway, he, the ghost, told me he calls it Rahalastapa. So hope that's going to stop saying that you people are down there. Hope that's going to catch on. Yeah, I've been on. I've been on holiday. Um, sorry, uh, I've been away for a while uh, and we missed a couple of weeks, but. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, people. I know the subscribers have gone down in my absence. So uh, if you're with Amazon Prime, do you remember you can subscribe and give us some money at no cost to yourselves by linking your accounts. Remember to, remember to come back every month and subscribe. Uh, it's a great way to help uh, us make more podcasts. Uh, but the holiday was great. Um, I did meet uh, a friend of mine who I didn't know, but she's an expert on herring gulls. I mean, just coincidentally, it's nothing to do with me particularly with, Seagulls, uh, which is why um, we'd been down on Hastings, we went to the aquarium in Hastings, and then um, we uh, obviously then went to have fish and chips that's what you do after you've just looked at some fish and uh, we then had the, the, these seagulls came down were trying to eat our fish and chips, and we dropped some by accident, and they all hoovered it up. It was amazing, but she's an expert on seagulls and rescue seagulls and she told me what you have to do, and i can 't believe this is true, but she seems such an expert is you locate the the main seagull. <laughs> The seagull leader, you look him in the eye. He's the one closest to you. You look him in the eye and you give him like three or four chips and you say, that's it. And then she said, I mean, she might be crazy. I don't know. She said that the seagulls remember you and then they leave you alone because they're like the mafia, basically, for chips. If you give them some, it doesn't seem that would work, but... I want to try it out now. I nearly went back and got more fish and chips to try that out. I don't know if it's true. They can remember you. And if you're nasty to a seagull, it will chase you down and poo on you and everything she said. It'll remember you and it'll tell its friends. How does it tell its friends which one you are? That's what I don't understand. But she's the seagull whisperer. Uh, other great news. I got uh, I got an interesting delivery in the post. You know that I do that question about what the what would you have from any museum if you could have it? And my answer is often the Lewis Chessmen, which are these Viking chess pieces. Uh, and... Uh, a, a wonderful sculptor called Richard Eisen, um who's richardisensculptor.co.uk, if you want to use him, uh, has made this for me and sent me this in the post, which is a Lewis Chessman with my hideous face. When I opened it up, I thought it was a troll or something, but it's actually my... That's pretty amazing, is He claims he discovered it when he was clearing stones and there's photographic evidence of him digging it up. It's just a coincidence he's an amazing sculptor. Um, so that's better than the fucking tat you pricks usually send me. Look at that. There's... That's probably worth than mine. It's got he's sitting in a high backed armchair with Rahalus to put on the back. That is that can turn into being a character in uh, Ali and Herring's Twitcher fun, which uh, is coming up uh, on Thursday nights, eight o'clock. Don't miss it. Twitch.tv slash RK Herring. Going from strength to strength. Uh, it's an amazing thing. Uh, and the only other bit of news I've got for you is uh, I've heard this on Twitter and I can't remember who told me that Barometer World, which is my favourite museum that I've never visited, but really have always wanted to visit, is at least partially closing down. They're not open as a museum anymore. They're still making some barometers. Um, It has uh, parking for up to two cars at Barometer World, which is one of my favourite things on the leaflet. So I'm heartbroken that Barometer World is going, did you learn nothing from the Tales of Robin Hood? Don't close down your major museums. It's a terrible thing. Anyway, look, we've got a fantastic guest for you this week. Uh, she's been on before. She's probably best known for being in the audience of the 2016 Fringe Show, Come Look at the Baby. Uh-huh. That's why we're here, to see her. That's what she's best known for. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the amazing Sophie Duker. Here she is. How are hey, you doing?
1: I'm yeah. thrilled and delighted you brought that baby up. Thank you. Uh, I thought
0: that was quite a good find to to discover you were in that, in in the audience of that.
1: In the audience of that. It was a very small audience as well. It was only a very, because I think it was quite a fresh baby and ethically, (laughs) not like, not like, yeah, not fresh, but still quite um, fresh. It didn't still have bits of
0: gunk on it. It wasn't that fresh. It
1: had been sort of rinsed uh, several times, but I think having a large crowd in to look at the baby would have been... Yeah, possibly traumatic later in life. So
0: the idea of that show, because you're quite there's a Guardian piece about it, and then you're an audience member who gives quite a it's a big quote. I presume you've seen the uh, the article.
1: Yes, I have seen Did, the article. I've seen yeah. the article.
0: It's quite. It's mainly you talking about the show, which is very nice. But you weren't. Were you? Any, you weren't anything to do with the show. You were just an. You I oh, wasn't
1: anything to do with the show. No. So
0: the idea was that they got a baby, and you just could watch it for you an just, hour or something. How long? How long? I it? think
1: it was about forty minutes. Again, babies. Right. It's hard to make babies work. Uh, <laughs> well,
0: that's what they do in fr- a fringe show. If you do 40 minutes, it means you can come back the next year with a full-length show and still be eligible for Best Newcomer. That's probably what oh, that baby was thinking. Oh,
1: yeah. He was like, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Oh, Come look at a toddler.
1: They they didn't disclose the gender of the baby or anything about the baby. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, it was for less – wouldn't qualify for the award, but uh, about 30 people for about 30 minutes in a darkened room and then – uh a woman who i think was the baby's grandmother came out sat with the baby sometimes the baby just cried the whole time sometimes it was asleep the whole time um but we got it was on
0: its own it was literally on its own on stage no i think
1: i think grandma was watching
0: watching to make sure it didn't run into any lights
1: yeah she spoke to let's say him in french for a little bit at one point (laughs) okay a clue okay
0: um it's quite an interesting idea for a show. What would you, it's, I wondered if there was anything else that would be interesting to sort of look at. Cause you're just, you're getting to, I mean, as you said in the piece, I believe you sort of, it's quite fascinating to be able to stare at a, a baby, which you're not usually really able to do. It's not, not it's frowned baby, upon.
1: You know, it <laughs> is, yeah. Um, I, Oh, what would I like to stare at someone doing? I think, I also think I said in that quote, it's quite interesting because you just then start thinking about your life, which to be fair, I do in every show I see. Um, but I think I maybe maybe watch someone moisturise. Okay, yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know if other people do. it. I think I'm weird in the ways in the ways and where I do it.
0: Okay, why do you think you're weird? Let's get into this. I think Let's I'm... get into the moisturising in depth. <laughs> why are you? Why are you weird with your moisturising? I think
1: I'm scared of being ashy, so I overcompensate. Okay. I don't want to have those dry elbows or knees. Okay. Uh, so I sort of what would I what would I start off with? Um, so I probably I mean if
0: you if you've got some moisturizer there, you could show you could, could show, okay. we could make this we could make the show here of you moisturizing yourself.
1: Okay, so this is this is only what I don't have lots of the ingredients up here. This okay. one I should cover up the brand name. It's okay. quite uh yeah, do that. intense <laughs> in case you get into trouble for yeah. suggesting lubricants to people. <laughs> this one is quite an in-depth moisturizer. I used to use cocoa butter, which yeah, is amazing, nice. quite pungent. Yeah. Uh also experimented with Nivea, other brands are available. But yeah. so you're, firstly, there's no moisture without water. So you've got to get wet. Yeah. And you sort of sort of dry yourself. Is this relatable content? Sort of dry yourself. But yeah, not, no, not. it's as
0: good. I didn't see it going this way, but I'm delighted <laughs> with how it's going.
1: Dry yourself with a, what? let's say a towel. Uh, and then you slather on your cream. So you've got liquid. Cre- so there's, there's controversy about whether it's the lock method or the LCO method. So like liquid, cream, and then an oil. Uh, so I've used a lot of, I've used coconut oil. Olive oil, jojoba oil, uh baby oil. Uh yeah, yeah it was, that was some of the merch I got from that baby show.
0: I've <laughs> <laughs> only really moisturized I don't really moisturize myself. It's amazing when you look at my skin, it's amazing to think I don't yeah, yeah. uh but okay. I have moisturized a lot of babies, well two babies, my two my own two babies. Good. Thank you for the I'm not I'm not moisturized, I don't go around moisturizing other people's babies. Maybe that could be another thing. Maybe you could combine these shows. And to come and moisturize a baby. No, you don't
1: Moisturize know. the baby. You don't want a scaly baby. No.
0: Um, so what? How do you think other people do it? If you, you seem to have a very good understanding of more, much more than I do, I just thought you put moisturizer on. You've got a hole.
1: Yeah. No. I've got it. You've got, got to seal it, it in Why? with the oil. It's because uh, like okay. you do that with your hair. I don't think people. I I'm going to be frank with you. I don't think other people moisturize.
0: No. I think they just get wet. I think they do. I think they. I think people do. People do people put moisturize. on body
1: lotion? Is that what they do?
0: I think they do. I think otherwise, why does it exist as a as but, a product? But
1: you don't do it.
0: I don't do it because you know I don't care. I'm not you know, but I've given up. I've given up hope. And when I was a young man, it wasn't something that men would would do. But surely women, women have have always done. I think everyone does it now, don't they?
1: Yeah, but I think men. I think people concentrate on the face. I've seen like yeah, okay, yeah, I've seen Ashley knees. Okay. out there
0: so you're the way you're different is that you go into your elbows and knees go into in elbows some...
1: and knees I do soles of the feet as well because I've got like oh, hooves wow. I've got like hoofy the hooves yeah. are coming through yeah. um I think I might be part centaur so I'm trying to I did a foot peel recently okay I didn't know that I talked this much about this either to be honest uh but yeah I I'm trying to combat whatever sort of like I feel like there's like a a crone inside me waiting to get out <laughs> and I'm just sort of trying to beat it back. Like my feet are going to turn into hooves and my like skin's going to like... Cr- I think I'm s- describing ageing.
0: I mean, it will. That will happen. <laughs> That's what happens. I'm afraid to tell you. It's a terrible, terrible thing. Uh, you're, luckily, you're a, a very young woman still, but it's, uh, it's coming and it's not nice. My feet are pretty disgraceful. Um, my wife keeps on giving me, for Christmas and birthdays, keeps giving me basically uh, foot sanding materials. <laughs> And, and That I don't ever use, really. She gave me a, a little mechanical thing, you plug-in that then has a, like... It's basically like something you have in a woodworking shop. Okay, with, yeah, yeah. With, Sparks know.
1: come off it when you... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I did it once. And, it you know, it did make my feet smoother. But, I, I mean, if I'm going to smooth anything, my feet are the last thing I'm going to smooth down.
1: Yeah. I'm I, not going to do it. Yeah. You don't need to be uh, what aerodynamic on the soles of your feet.
0: No, I mean, they're gross, and I pick them a lot. That's why my wife doesn't. Okay, right.
1: okay. I sympathise entirely why, with oh, her now. But... That's
0: why my wife is trying to make me have nothing to pick, basically, off my feet. But, I, you know, I have very few pleasures in life anymore. It, we've really opened up here about uh, about quite disgusting things already. Um, let me ask you this. I'm going to ask you things based on my opening monologue. I want to get this out of the way because I always forget to do it. What have you? Has anyone ever given you uh, advice on how to control... An animal of any kind, secret. I, like I, I don't know if you were there because I think you arrived part of the way through. I, I've, when I was on holiday, a woman told me how to stop gulls bothering you for fish and chips.
1: Wow! You have to stare them.
0: At, you have to stare them in the eye and then give them a few chips and then they'll leave you alone because they respect you. Have you? Has anyone ever given you animal-based advice like that that gives you a secret into the
1: yes. lifestyle of an animal? My auntie, uh, one one of my many aunties, shared in the family WhatsApp group what I assume is a family secret. Uh, and it was like how to get rid of snakes in your home or garden. Uh, okay. so I was like, great. I can't see how it's applicable, but okay. <laughs> uh, it was a very long message, but basically it's like a three step method. I think you get some honey. Okay. Maybe you dip a paper in the honey. Mm-hmm. So I, I imagine it's like squeezy honey and not the kind of honey that turns into like, uh, crystal as soon as you get it. Dip it in honey, light the piece of paper with the honey on it. Sounds okay. difficult. Yeah. Uh, and then wherever it is, this is verbat- wherever the snake is in the house. It yeah. will rush out urgently.
0: <laughs> rush out of the house to away from the burning honey or towards the burning honey. I didn't catch where the burning honey go. Is the burning honey a deterrent or an attractant?
1: I think it's an attractant. So I think it right, kind okay. of de- defeats the point of <laughs> you're
0: like. Well, no. If you put it somewhere where you want the, if someone could tell me how to get flies out of my fucking house, the good thing about living in London. It, which i don't any longer is any insect is dead within 2 hours just because of the basic fumes yeah. in london
1: they drop out of the air but end. in the
0: countryside you, have, you know you open some windows when the, it's as hot as it is look at me now uh, it's hot the windows are open flies fill the house and they're very difficult to get out of the
1: house i got a tip recently from an auntie okay. about how to how to get rid of flies i think okay, i think there's a strong like a 99% chance it's bullshit but we talked about it for like okay. 20 minutes okay. cucumber <laughs> She was like flies cucumber. she was like flies detest the smell of cucumber. Oh they cucumber. don't like cucumber. They don't like it. So just put cucumber wherever. Everywhere. everywhere. And I was like, wow, because I'm sure I've seen like flies on like <laughs> salads containing cucumber. Yeah. And also cucumber is ninety seven percent water, ninety percent water. It's quite a lot of water, so it has almost no odour, but flies hate it.
0: I mean children hate it. It's a good way of getting rid of children,
1: mm. cucumber.
0: But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. Uh, and also, I've been, someone's given me this, um, uh, has made me into a chess piece. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. I love so that. Yes, I did. What is the, stra- with the, I, I, I don't know if you get fans giving you presents and things they've made for you. Have you had, I mean, I've had some weird things down the years. Um, What's the strangest or nicest thing a, a fan has brought to you or d- given to you?
1: During lockdown, I had quite a comedy. I mean, I don't know if this is a comedy bro moment. Um, I got sent quite a lot of nudes during lockdown Okay. because I decided on the app location Instagram to run a nudes workshop on how to take good <laughs> nudes, despite having okay. no expertise in the area. Uh, I just decided to, 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 and then people sent me nudes, okay. but a lot of them were That's funny. They were really funny nudes. Yeah. Uh, it was really like people had water guns. Uh, there were a lot of like belfies, which is like a selfie you take of your butt. Um, I I really appreciated it.
0: Good. That's a good way to get a load of uh, free nudes as well, isn't it? Just say, I'm running a competition.
1: (laughs) I never (laughs) Who can do the best nudes? It is important that I state this. I did not solicit nudes. i never asked for nudes. People (laughs) just thought it would be a nice thing to send because it was... It was. was a nice thing. So what
0: you're saying is send uh, any nude photographs, send them to you. You'll enjoy that. I will. But I would never ask
1: directly for (laughs) nude photographs. Good. Of anyone. And... uh, and uh, my
0: favourite museum, which I've never been to, but like the leaflet barometer world is closing down. It's a world of barometers. they And they've, they've, they've closed it down because the man who runs it is retiring. Uh, do you tend to go to museums when you're touring the country? Or do you have a favourite museum?
1: I, been- I don't think I go to museums that much anymore. I hear about, there's a Museum of Childhood, in London, yes. near where yes, I live in East London, I haven't been there. It sounds like a sad place. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, I, I think I
0: was thinking of a different one, but I have been to that one as well. It is—it's um, no, it's quite good. It's quite good. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I, was th- I actually did a, uh, a program about uh, the history of the Gollywog and why it was just oh. a terrible thing, <laughs> and the original Gollywog is in that. Oh, uh,
1: wow.
0: Uh, uh, so that's quite interesting, um, and uh, but there's also, I mean, it, I think it's a nostalgia. You're still young, you see. I think I think you're too young to be nostalgic for, um, you know, the, your youth. But when you when you become forty and fifty, and then you see something from the 1970s, you go, "Oh my god, it's amazing!" Because there's so much time there's has passed. So much, and much then time has passed. Yeah, and then you get that Proustian rush of seeing a Matchbox toy, or or you know, or something you'd totally forgotten you owned. So it's good for that.
1: So did you say Matchbox um, toy?
0: You know, they were the Matchbox cars that used to have called Matchbox.
1: Oh, I've read about
0: I've read about. I was like, I'm trying to think what I saw there. That Because uh, ra- uh, it's it, it's it's when you see like a you know things. It's interesting when you've got kids and you see them get like obsessed with a toy, and you kind of think that's imprinted in their brain. But then you'll forget about it for thirty years, and then it'll be so familiar when you see it again, but also completely unfamiliar. So it's sort of a weird. Yeah. Deja vu, sort of a deja vu sort of feeling and then you get pulled back into the past by seeing this thing that you haven't thought about for 40 years which you you're not able to do that yet no i uh,
1: being I mean unbel-
0: I, I, I see I find it very discombobulating that you're born in 1990 and you are an adult I find that very hard I to process in my brain you're you're a fully grown proper adult 1990 and that seems crazy yeah. so someone born in 2000s like a is ostensibly a grown-up sort up. That's, of an adult that, that's that's sort of terrifying to me so um yeah being 30 look, listen to some of the stuff you've been doing in other podcasts and you know you talk you talk about dating quite a lot and the way all those things have changed but also I think just the, through the decades your attitude to dating will change so much and being thir- in your 30s is a it's a good time to be you know either single or not too heavily attached
1: to other people (laughs) good advice good
0: advice uh certainly i think that was for that was the case for me and it was a good decade but i but now you've got all this i think we probably talked about this last time we were you were on but uh it's a completely different world i was when i stopped dating when i met my wife in 2008 uh and then and then all the dating stuff arrived on, yeah, online yeah that's li- that's
1: literally when it happened <laughs> it's
0: literally when it all began and it became very easy so it was very hard to to date I found in my 20s very hard to date but in my 30s I got a little bit better at bothering to ask people if they would go on yeah. a date with me I was too shy but like now you don't have to worry about shyness do you remember?
1: yeah you just it seems absolutely it seems so much admin in the um in the in the in the recent past <laughs> so yeah. that's what's someone to go on a date with you yes and also you just often have to like turn up and, and and wait and not have anything to look. Did you just look at your hands?
0: Yeah, exactly. It was, <laughs> well, it was, yeah, it was nuts. Well, and also if you went to the wrong, you know, if you went to the wrong place or, you know, you misunderstood where which pub you were meeting in, you'd find out the next day. There was no way of, there was no way of, uh, you know, I remember, I don't think I ever missed a date because of that, but I definitely missed like social engagements because I'd got the wrong pub in my oh, brain and yeah. then I went and then no one was there. And then, you get home and there might be a message on your answer phone or you ring up someone the next day, what happened? Oh, I was in that pub. Oh, I was in that pub so yeah it was it's crazy how much the world
1: has changed
0: basically since i just took myself i took myself off the market and everyone right it's safe everyone's like let's, okay. like, let's open up let's open <laughs> let's up dating, go.
1: dating can begin there was a giant you, did you hear a giant <laughs> gong when you <laughs> met your wife
0: it must have been yeah it must have happened but uh, but you know i think it's i, I, I sort of in because i think i heard you talking to um sophie Hagen. that's a, uh, the made of human podcast oh, which yes. is, is is very well worth listening to generally speaking but yours is a great one as well but you were sort of talking about I don't know when you recorded this it may be a couple of years ago but um uh you know we talked about it for the pansexuality and uh, polyamorous uh, um, uh, relationships and I think like in your 30s I just sort of interested I wonder, I wonder how many people go beyond their 30s and carry on with that kind of thing do you think that's something that will be a phase in your life or do you think you will Get to a point where you want to be with one. I mean, I, I'm making presumptions. What I don't a know. Big what, what you,
1: question. The um, big
0: question. But you know, I think it's because I think essentially, I was in a poly. I was sort of. It didn't exist as was a it? term. Okay. Okay. But, but through my through the 30s, through my 30s, I was de- dating lots of different people and sometimes at the same at the time. time. Do they all know uh, that it was at the same time? Yeah. Well, they, once I got to about, th- uh, I I realized in my probably 34, 35 the best policy with dating is just completely to be completely honest because you'll find, especially someone like London, Mm -hmm. because you'll find someone who wants exactly the same thing as you and you don't want to be with someone who doesn't want exactly the same thing as you. So if you want to see lots of people, then say, hey, I'm – I did a thing where I dated 50 people in 50 days for one of my shows. Okay. And so so they all knew I was doing that. But also I did then start having relationships with some of them before it eventually became one of them. (laughs) But there was a quite big (laughs) time where it was – It was quite a big time where it was, you know, quite a few people. But I was completely honest about it. And only one person went, I'm not happy with that. And I said, well, there's nothing I can really do about it for the moment. So we just stopped having a relationship.
1: That seems like a pretty decent way to do it.
0: Well, it took me quite a long time to realise. And I think, again, I think this is endemic of the past. I think men, well, men and women, but I think men were made to believe that They had to trick women (laughs) into dating them, or it was some kind. You know, there was it was a game, or it was whatever, Mm. and 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 that you have to lie your way through into relationships. And actually, I think absolutely honesty is because the back when it comes back the other way, if someone's honest to you about about their, you know, that's much better. If someone comes says like I'm not, you know, I'm seeing someone else, it's much better than finding out they're seeing someone else. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and it's sort of respectful. But, you know, when I got to 40, I kind of thought, well, I've sort of had enough of that.
1: Yeah, well, okay, so there's two different things. There's the, like, the polyamory, which I don't identify as polyamorous. No. Too many syllables. Um, (laughs) uh, I am in an open relationship. Uh, So, nudes, if you want to send them, fine. Uh, I'm in an open relationship. uh, And also, I find it really amusing. I was described as a charming pansexual, which (laughs) (laughs) sounds... um uh, great uh I don't think being queer which is probably how I most easily identify because it's uh it's it kind of I mean I guess generationally it might be sometimes a weird word for people to hear but like in terms of like my generation and and the generation below whatever that is like it feels quite comfortable to uh encompass a multitude of ways of being I don't think that's going to be a phase uh but in terms of having other people as in not being in, monog- in a monog- monogamous thing I think I probably, uh, quite likely, want to have ch- kids. And also, I uh, woke up two days ago and had a real pain in my shoulder. Uh, I don't know if I slept on it. Sort of, it was weird. I couldn't really turn left like Zoolander for a really long time. And okay. I think as my body starts to degrade, it might be. I just probably will want different things. But yeah, I don't... well, that's
0: basically what I'm saying. Yeah, but that's, I don't that's think happened he... to lit- we'll be... literally happened to My shoulder's really gone bad as well. Yeah, so that might be the first sign. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I don't think it will be like a default thing. But I did read, uh, I mean, this is a fictional book, Girl, Women Are the Witch, a lot of people will have read because it's a fantastic, very well-selling book. And uh, the main character in that, uh, or the first character we meet, it's a series of characters, has uh, arrangements. And she's an older playwright. I thought it was very autobiographical. I don't think this is literally Bernadette Everisto's life. But I think what I've heard from some people is that once you can kind of get rid of the kids, if you're in a position to have those sort of rage, it doesn't really matter so much. I think when you're young, you're really like, what is this? We need to put a name on it. We haven't put a name on it yet. And I think there might be sort of, I don't know. I'm hoping there might be flexibility when I'm...
0: I think that's very true. And I think, again, it sort of depends on whether, which which I've talked about this quite a lot. Uh, I find it quite interesting. If people who have their kids young would be my age and they're absolutely in that position where... They're basically free, and sometimes free of their partner. But but you know they so they do that. They're doing a sort of second wave of of dating now, which I think is quite. You know, if I'm not going to my kid, I'm going to be sort of seventy when my kids leave home. So I think it's probably you know if I'm still alive, then I think uh, that'll be all I'm worrying about is still carrying on breathing rather than looking for somebody else to <laughs> <laughs> waste my time with. Like
1: pump the um, I mean, it will be twenty. <laughs> 20 something there'll be some sort of automated automated yeah. system for breathing and other things as well I'm sure
0: there will and there'll be uh, sex robots which I'm that's what that's, I'll be yes. I'll be into that yeah. I'm just trying to work my wife my friend to that as soon as they're available and realistic I've just got to convince her that that's okay
1: yeah it's just that, Alexa, that's, my, that's my plan that's worked out well for us why not <laughs> Andrea <laughs>
0: It could happen. Right, so I wanted to talk... I'm not sure this is a real thing. This is something I picked up from watching on Roast Battle, but often the facts are true And this. Is it true that you wrote Harry Potter fan fiction as a youngster, a younger person? A y- like?
1: As a younger person, I absolutely <laughs> did write Harry Potter fan fiction. Yes, I wrote erotic... It wasn't solely erotic. There was also a lot of heart in it. I, uh, <laughs> I How
0: old were you when you were doing this?
1: Um, So I think I was... From the ages of like fourteen to seventeen, I, and I think I, it coincided with a long summer, which was like a gap between the publication of two Harry Potter books, okay. which was a really fertile time for the Harry Potter fandom because people had two years basically to wait for new canon, so they just wrote loads of stories. I was right. very into it. Um, that's quite—I
0: uh, mean, that's quite early for fan fiction. So I suppose maybe it's not. People—people people have been doing fan fiction for a while. I guess. Yeah, carry on.
1: Yeah, it was, it was um
0: <laughs> i i would think you were one of the first but maybe what, twilight the tw- twilight was
1: oh twilight was later was sort
0: of fan, yeah so oh, that, that, was, that was that was
1: actually fun. fan fiction that people turned into a franchise by enabling this yeah and also yeah. 50 shades of gray not fan fiction yeah. but i think i mean whoever wrote it has definitely written fan fiction um i wanted to take the piss out of it in my comedy I wanted like when I was making my new show, I wanted to like find some fan fiction and be like, oh, how embarrassing. And I went back to my old account and read to my fan fiction and was just like, this is too good. I can't. <laughs> <It's> too... <laughs> the work has too much inherent merit. These you, should, are...
0: <laughs> you should publish, publish and be damned.
1: I think I I mean, I bloody I mean, I can't. I don't. I think also maybe not a great time to uh to associate myself with J K Rowling Fair enough. um Fair but enough. uh all, all you know flagrantly steal from J K Rowling's creations but um yeah was
0: it what was it harry was it harry bumming ron that's okay. what i'm guessing that's main that's most of it that's uh, what can I, ask you, can I ask you a yeah. personal
1: question if you were yes. going to write about characters bumming in a in the yeah. harry potter world would you choose yeah. harry and ron
0: um yeah no they're the, they're the only two i really know i know Hermione. I mean, it seems that they're all they're all kids. I mean, if maybe in the last right at the yeah, end, the last. When book, adults, okay, I see
1: you have to <laughs> talk about the adults. last book, but they're they're adults technically from book six. <laughs> okay, I would write say... being where the
0: train station with their own kids. That's what I would write about, and then Harry, <laughs> when the train's going out, Harry bums run. Harry bums no, run yeah. as the train I mean, pulls bums. out of
1: King yeah. Cross. <laughs> there you go. I guarantee you that exists. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, Harry Ron is quite a like fluffy ship, like relationship pairing because they're already friends. Like the yeah. Gryffindor uh, dormitories sound like they're very small. Uh, yeah. The like the architectural planning of Hogwarts is uh, a madness. Anyway, Harry, uh, so Harry Draco is a classic ship. Okay. Uh, I was writing mainly Marauder era, so that's Harry's parents. So like Sirius Black. Uh, his uncle yeah, that went yeah. to Azkaban, and Remus Lupin, uh, the bookish okay. werewolf.
0: Yeah, I know, I'm aware of these characters, surprising. My wife's a big fan of Harry Potter. Oh, nice! So I I've, I've picked, I've picked up quite a lot of it. Uh, I'm very good at Trivial Pursuits, and that is the name of that game. But one Christmas I had to play Harry Potter Trivial Pursuits against my uh, in-laws and my wife, and I got one question right. I'm. Uh, and they, they all did very well, so i was not not a math, but I do know that I'm aware of who those are.
1: I'm proud of you. So, yeah. So
0: who was doing, was it Harry Potter's mum and dad just, was it about them having, that's not really interesting. No, they not, no, 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 no. it was
1: about Remus and Sirius. They were all part of this. They wrote okay. the Marauder's Map and they basically used it to find the room of requirement to go and bum in. It was the 70s, okay. you know, okay. like everyone was drinking fire whiskey and like smoking spliffs. What, uh, they
0: weren't worried about AIDS in those days. I, mean, I suppose they were magic. They, they could were just magic. magic the AIDS. They could have magic the AIDS away. The
1: magic the AIDS away. They had healers as well. Although, yeah. okay, you, I wish you hadn't started me talking about Harry Potter because I know too much about it. There's like very like, there's big parallels. So like right. in, the, in the muggle world and the wizarding world. So like there was a war, like at the same time as World War II was like the second wizarding, no, maybe the first wizarding war. Oh no, there's going to be some person sitting there absolutely fuming, being like, what is she talking about? But yeah, there there might have been a AIDS AIDS crisis parallel in the wizarding world.
0: JK will probably come
1: out and say that that's what she did.
0: That's what it was about. They could just magic it though. That's why that's why Harry Potter doesn't work for me. Just mad. They magic it. Just magic it. Yeah, there's different levels. Just just magic. Just do it. Just do some magic.
1: There's levels of magic. Do the
0: next level. If they've done level
1: three, do level four. Okay, fine. Yeah, that's it. Do some magic. You're ruining the joy. You do some magic.
0: Just... I've not gotten them all bumming each other. I'm I'm enjoying the, the the wonderful fairy tale. Okay, I've got the same size hands as Hermione from Harry Potter,
1: L- literal Emma Watson.
0: Yeah, I've got exactly the same size hands as her. Yeah, I like the way you Are put you, your hands up. Put
1: screen. Is that true? Have you shaken a hand? It
0: is because just... I went to Harry Potter World and they've got the handprints of the stars in the thing, and I put my hands in perfect fit. Look at that! Look at that horrible stubby oh, wow. hand. That is that is Emma Watson's exact, absolute every crevice of her handprint filled by my hand.
1: Beautiful. You should see so, her hand standing. And
0: well, that's what I want to do. If you do anything with this idea, if you make a film of it, and you need that like, her wanking someone off, <laughs> <I can,
1: laughs> Not I You just do your hand.
0: <laughs> yeah, just my hand. Will come in. That's what it would be like.
1: like. I'm sorry, Emma will do the role, but she won't have her <laughs> hands in shot. She won't wank if she. She won't wank off
0: a werewolf or something. Go get Richard Armitage; he'll do it. I'll wank off a werewolf if the money's right. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be interesting, it'd be an interesting thing to do. Well, that's that's you know, it's interesting. That's where, you, and then you went on to study English, English, that, did that, come, uh, and
1: uh, modern languages. Oh, modern languages, yes, of uh, very much a dual threat. Uh, went off to study languages, uh, English and modern language at Oxford, which is a little bit like Harry Potter.
0: It is, isn't it? Yeah. Is yeah. that what attracted you to the university? Yeah. Could...
1: I just get into a tutorial and be like, just magic it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just magic it. Well, that's yeah. sort of what I did. Yeah.
0: With my when I did at university I just copied people's essays. So that was in a way magicking the essay, wasn't it? Just by copying whoever was in there the week before I just copied their essay and then read it out and often hadn't read it when I was copying. It. <laughs> So it was very interesting. When I got asked questions about it. Somehow I got through. What a wasted opportunity! What a waste of a good education that was. Mm-hmm. Terrible, terrible uh, person I am. Um, right, I'm going to ask you. What else? Am i going to. Well, I want to ask you this. I forget. I keep forgetting to ask you, uh, ask my guests about this because I'm quite obsessed with this now. Um, my wife, uh, I've discovered only since marrying her, opens hard boiled eggs like soft boiled eggs that she's going to eat rather than, you know, so, like dippy eggs she cr- cracks it all and then peels off the shell entirely whereas i just lock the top off and then then you've got a spoon you can yeah how do you how do you eat uh, soft boiled eggs
1: um i don't i find okay. i didn't really understand what i never had dippy eggs right. all my eggs were like cooked through to within an inch mm-hmm. of their lives i never had the like soft eggy eggy, eggy egg in the middle but okay. i do think that i would kind of be more on your wife's because I when I realized what could, no because you like you know when you peel a grape with your teeth when you've got nothing better to do like I think peeling an egg peeling a whole I like peeling an egg
0: yeah but that's different because you throw the thing away like if you peel a boiled egg lots of, and they she's teaching what well, I, I wouldn't mind but she's teaching my kids to do it her way oh
1: right, right when right. you
0: peel it off all the bits of eggshell fall all over the place into your soldiers into yeah, the yeah, egg. Yeah. That's
1: quite bad. And then
0: you're eating bits of egg. If you do, what you do, you just lop off. I don't care which egg. If you lop the top off, you lose all the egg. You don't you lop the top bit of the you just work out where the yolk's gonna start. You just top and then you can go and scoop the bit out. So you can still eat the white that's in there, but then you've got your yolk and you can just immediately dip it into the yolk. It's absolutely the way to eat eggs and softboard eggs. How do you there lop other it? ways of eating do you
1: lop it with, it? with a knife?
0: No, you get a, your spoon that you're going to eat. So, do you, okay. your spoon you're eating with, take the top off, just put that aside, take out the white if you want. You can don't have to. Then dip in your soldiers. There's no eggshell all over them. My kids are being taught this. I didn't care until my kids, you know, that's then it's being passed on to another generation. I wouldn't have married if I'd known. That's what that's all I'm going to say. There's things you discover when you get married that my wife can't sing. I didn't know that she kept that secret until we were married, and then started singing and she can't sing.
1: Singing and peeling eggs.
0: Yeah, those two—they're important things. You just get to know someone. I, I rushed into. I rushed into marriage after four years. I should have waited another seven or eight years. Just be like till I really knew her.
1: Take us to lots of sing-along musicals. Take us screenings. The Rocky Horror Picture Show.
0: That's just, just my advice.
2: Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support.
0: Oh, it's so hot. It's so hot. It's good. It's going well. I'm enjoy- I'm very much enjoying myself. I'm glad. It's nice to be back. It's good to have had a couple of weeks off. I, you know, it's, uh, it's fun uh, being back. What is the most beautiful thing that you've ever destroyed, Sophie?
1: Oh, God. What's the most beautiful thing that I have ever destroyed?
0: They're hard. They're not easy questions.
1: Oh. Uh... This is such. I mean, I I feel like your wife. I may have butchered a song or two. Yeah. Um, are you?
0: Is it taking time because you've got so many choices, or are you struggling? to No, I want to think, of, think of, of a really destroyed?
1: genuine. I want to think of a time yeah. when I like crushed someone's like spirit.
0: Yeah, well, that's certainly. I'm sure you've done that, and we've all done that. Is what I'm saying. But uh, I'm sure you've.
1: I think. Um, I think uh, maybe. Yeah. So my my teacher when I was in year three, um, she came in for her first day of school. I think because she was at a girls' school, she thought that she had to dress like uh she was Maria von Trapp. Um <laughs> <laughs> the guy's her married name and not her maiden name. Wow. Um so yeah, I thought she had to dress as Maria Von Trapp and she was wearing this yeah. sort of orange ball gown. I mean that's not how Maria dressed dressed. We all know Maria for her sense of style, but it was a sort of like it was yeah, she was like a govern, she was dressed like a governess um, and it was like sort of balloony and it was really orange. And um, then later on in the year, nine months have passed, we all have to write down like our favorite memories of the year uh, so that the headmistress could read them in assembly. And one of them was like, What is your funniest moment in the year? Uh,
2: yeah.
1: What for your fun, funniest memory? And I said, When my teacher came to school on the first day dressed like a pumpkin, <laughs> but then submitted it to the same teacher. Cause I was like, That was very funny.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think. I I just think I ruined her innocence as a young. Oh God! I don't I don't want to crush her, her yeah her her orange dreams. I mean, That's she tough. never. Wa- think, yeah,
0: yeah, she never did. We had a, we would we had school magazines and school reviews where we were quite cruel about teachers, um, and we did like a we did a six form sort of secret comedy show, but somehow the teachers found out about it, and one of the teachers did this crimes against humanity that the teachers had done and one of them was for one of our teachers who we said had foul sewer breath oh. and then uh, and then he was the one who had to come and tell us all off and then the next lesson we went into he was sort of which i think was really weird of him he was really ostentatiously eating loads of polos during no. the during the lesson which sort of makes you think you know it's not it's not like going oh you've it's sort of like going you've got to me isn't it that's that sort of going yeah you I don't think he really... I mean, I think he might have once had smelly breath. You know, He was like an older man. Uh But it wasn't like a a genuine thing. But for him to come in and then like just really eat polos at that next lesson...
1: That's a weird like choice. Been,
0: well, it's sort of like you've been crushed, doesn't it? It's sort of like we defeated him and then he was going, well, all right. I'm, it's not like I'll show you. It's like...
1: You're I'm, right about me. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> it's like... You've got me, and I'm I feel terrible. I feel I feel still feel bad about. It. He's dead now, but you know what can you do? Yeah. He ate too you, you know, many
1: pearl yeah, <laughs> he <you> Choked <laughs> to death. Maybe so, he was so, kissed uh, to death. Oh no, that's smith, was, isn't it? No smint, no kiss.
0: But, okay, yeah, but you know it might have made him more attractive to the female teachers of the Kings of Wessex at, in Cheddar. It might have done. Um, but yeah, we were we were quite rude about a lot of teachers, and I think you don't think as a as a student, you don't you think they're kind of impervious yeah, and you don't have think they
1: feelings they're, yeah they just they just perform a fun they like, like not you're not in a mean way, but like you think they love school <laughs> well not love school, but that's what they're all about some teachers very clearly don't love school, but you think yeah, that's the only thing that's the most important thing to them
0: <laughs> ah, sad, sad, made me sad now thinking about that. I'll ask you one more emergency question this one looking for my glasses that are on my head um let's see what we come up with. Well, I don't think I asked you this last time. Let's ask you this because that's what th- where this comes from. If you could have one, it's another museum question. Oh, no. If you could have one item from any art gallery or museum in the world, if they all got together and said, "We're going to let you have one thing to keep, you can take out of any of our museums and it's yours." What one thing would you like from the world's art galleries or museums? So it can be an artifact or a work of art or anything you like.
1: I heard you. I heard you asking this, and I was like, I, "I'll think of an answer." Um, and you didn't think of one? No, I did I did think of one, but yeah. I don't really know what it's called. I think it's called The Gardener, and I think it's a Monet. And I okay. think it made me cry. I mean, the, all these things are true. It might not be a Monet. Yeah. Monet? Am I... It's called The Gardener. It's like a man okay, look looking, and I think it's French, but I saw it in Italy. Uh, I was about to go okay. on a lesbian cruise. It's okay. not by Monet, it, by any, any, is it? Absolutely not. Um, the I'm just Gardener. getting a, a
0: magazine called The Gardener. Oh, Gardener by uh, the Met Museum. Uh, it's now. Charles Sorot. Sorat.
1: No. Mo- George Sorat. Now. Maybe. It's like a. But I saw I saw this picture of a man uh, hanging in a museum in Italy before I got on a lesbian cruise. And is it that one? It is. Not that one. Uh, not that one? It is... Let me see if I can find it. Oh, i oh, it is interested. called is he called The Gardener or The Worker? Well, I have got it? one here. It's like a man. Uh, yeah, I think I just saw it. A man in a hat. Oh, it looks like a Van Gogh. It's a Van Gogh, that's what I meant. Yeah. I yes, that's good. A... Well,
0: Van Gogh's always a good one to go for because the resale value is good If you if you end up not liking it.
1: Yeah, but it made me oh, cry. I, like I looked at that man and I cried in front of him in a museum. Or uh, if it's a fictional museum, it would be the museum from Black Panther, uh, okay. the fictional museum in London in Black Panther, and um, I would take Michael B. Jordan. Okay, but specifically in that I'll film. Try. Yes, is. that is it. That's my uh, that's my guy. My gardener guy, Van Gogh. Cry. He just looks. My like is. This floppy little sad. hat and his uh, kind eyes.
0: Kind, but. One of them sort of slightly elongated. Looks, looks like he might need the toilet to me.
1: Yeah, he filled. looks slightly stoned.
0: <laughs> he does. He probably is. Poor old Van Gogh. He had a tough time. Oh. I mean, that's not him. That's just one of the things he drew. He drew um, very good, lovely. Um, right, what else have I got for you? Uh, nothing. That's it. It's all over.
1: That <laughs> I've, is I've true finished. in more ways I've than one. I've I'll take um, B. Let's talk about let's talk, I
0: didn't I, I just wanted to dick around with you because we talked quite about serious stuff last time but I just wanted to talk to you quickly about uh, the news quiz which you were on during was it during lockdown it were, was uh, during, lockdown, yeah, during yeah. the flat, like, you were sort of a, a last minute fly-in yes, guest I was for the news quiz parachuted in
1: like yeah, a definitely. sort of action hero um <laughs> yes do you just just want me to, I'll just talk about it um i have to say though that the i mean i don't have to say i literally don't have to say it that i think the news quiz handled that really spectacularly uh top points the news quiz it was like a really weird time if anyone can remember and you should do because if you're listening to this you're an adult uh that point in lockdown where black lives matter sort of kicked off was a very stressful intense time um and i basically was asked to do the news quiz at very short notice after having already done an episode in the series. And I sort of immediately knew that it was to speak about black lives matter, but my agent was just like, Oh great. Just a last minute booking. Uh, And then I found out um, they, they told me I think a few days later, I think I got booked like the week before. So it was quite a quick turnaround, but they told me shortly after that I was replacing another comic who was a white man, and it would have been an all-white panel, and that's why I'd been booked. And I sort of decided at that point that there felt like it's always kind of your hands are tied when you have basically a social media account, because it is impossible to be vocal at all times or be a vocal about everything. And also when something is very important to you, there's sort of a need to speak, but to do it in the right way. And I felt like uh, the news quiz was some like small thing that I could have control over in the way that I sort of accessed this traumatic event, and that sort of affected what I decided to do afterwards.
0: Yes, which was so. So you said you wouldn't go on again unless they were employing other black people on
1: the show. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, which yeah, they, I which did. Presumably, well. I did the show, and I did. They yeah. said I didn't have to speak about Black Lives Matter. Um, if I didn't want to, (laughs) which was very kind, but sort of defeats the point of having me on. Um, But luckily I did want to talk about That Lives Matter and it was the first question they gave me space to talk about it. But then I said that I would be donating my fee because I felt, I feel weird, I I don't know, I personally felt weird about sort of, and I think this is a very personal thing, I think it's very right to have people to comment on bad things and traumatic things and to make money because people should be compensated for their time and their skills and their work. But I didn't want to, I wanted to donate my fee and I said, I wouldn't go back on the show again unless yet yeah, there was another black person on the show, because there's so often that I've been on shows where that just hasn't been, there's been no kind of other person of color, even editorially involved at all, whether that's as a writer or as a producer or as like one talent. So it's often, it feels like a bigger burden if you are the only person representing a particular perspective.
0: Sure, sure. Uh, I mean, I suppose it would just, if you're saying you won't go on if you're the only one, if everyone does that, then no one can go on because <laughs> there's nobody on. That's the only, that's the, that's the sort, I think it sort of feels like, you know, I absolutely understand what you're saying and I agree with why you've done it, but I guess it sort of might, to some people might sound like a, a weird decision in terms of the first step is to have, one person, and uh, I, yeah, I completely, I completely get that's what you are saying, and there should be absolutely on a major show there should be someone at least like on the writing team, yeah. Or, you know, I, people of different perspectives again, it's just getting that different perspective, which you know, uh, the Radio Four has weirdly has weirdly been, I think, very good at promoting f- female talent. Yeah, I think you know, in comedy shows, I think it's been really excellent, way ahead of TV in that, and that, that you would often go on panel shows and there'd be more women than men, which you would never get on TV and or certainly at you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine years ago. Um but yeah, I mean it is I mean I guess Radio four is that very you know, it's a it's a sort of slightly closer. Yeah, it sort here. of
1: feels I think there are some brilliant like it's been amazing at radio like I really enjoy working on the news quiz. I really yeah. like the producer at the time, uh one of the producers is a woman, That the head of BBC Sounds is an amazing woman and that's really cool. I think it's just that sometimes because things are so slow, things are so slow. And I think people get excited. Like I definitely, I don't know if I am in a position to make that sort of thing, but I think I felt like I trust these people. I've worked with these people before. I've worked in the BBC, like behind the camera, in front of the camera on all sorts of shows before. And I feel like I'm someone who's like reasonably trusted to do a good job. But, I still see like the same people kind of cycling between jobs, and I'm like, there is space, there is resources to give someone, like, to ch- like to give someone a chance, to give other people yeah. a chance, and not just like, yeah,
0: not just. Has same- it worked? Have they changed their part? Have they have they done anything about this as a result? Or they <laughs> <just>, now not <laughs> they have, like, they're well, just not having you on either. <laughs>
1: Less than the oldest the <laughs> stuff. no they um what i really liked is that they didn't sort of they have i think had i'm not sure about this they may have had like a black writer uh like a like they've had like black talent involved in the news quiz not on that episode and i'm not sure about the episode that i previously did but i think they are encouraging black and poc talent and then uh i was emailed uh, afterwards and they said that they basically understood exactly why i did it and they didn't sort of respond on Twitter because they wanted to give me like sort of space to have that reaction and they would really like to have me back and aim to make it like an easy yes on the terms I outlined and I just think it was really yeah gracious and classy and it's they're definitely not the worst culprit they're not the worst culprits for it but it's just in having to be in having to be a spokesperson at that time when I know a lot of particularly who I know in like the meet a lot of black women were so exhausted were getting asked by so many different outlets to speak and do things and do labor but like it felt like yeah it felt like a time and a an appropriate platform to like sort of vocalize that
0: good yeah no I think I think so I think it was a uh, you know it, it's it's it's, it's interesting it is it's all those it's like you say it's every step counts and uh yeah it doesn't have to be the worst offender to to be picked up on that kind of thing, I think as well, you know I think it's it is something that everyone has to I hope that everyone was everyone sort of made like companies and uh and you know and all the channels and everything were making these gestures and saying that they were going to change the way they did things, so it would be interesting to see yeah if that happens once once the it's not like bang in the middle of the news but I hope it's uh
1: but i yeah i but I think it's like what I try and try and do is like. I try and I'm not trying to be like, I'm such a good person, but you try and bring other people in, you know what I mean? Like so many like white male comedians have been like, given me a chance. Tr- like you put, like I mean, you put me on this show, but like people have been you like, I like, I rate what you're doing. Like so many people that don't necessarily like, I fit this tick all the same identity boxes have given me chances. Also lots of black comedians, and comedians of color have like given me chances, but they don't tend to always have the same power and the same platforms. So it's kind of like if I can turn down a job that I don't think I need to do again, and make sure that some or to kind of strongly recommend that someone else gets that chance. That's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that's great. And I, 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 and what I you know, what I like about the internet, I think is. Um... It sort of is a more level playing field in that you can, people can come up with their own ideas and do them and no one's stopping anybody getting ideas out there. And you've been, you've been doing, I mean, you're on a lot of other people's podcasts. You did a podcast, I think it's finished with the BBC called Grown Up.
1: Yeah, Grown Up Up Land. Land. Was that this year? Did that
0: finish? That finished
1: recently. So we recorded the last episodes in lockdown. And that was... But there
0: was like 70... Uh, I listened to uh, one of them. <laughs> there's 70, <laughs> there 70 were a lot. Of, I didn't do yeah. all
1: of them. They uh, There were two hosts that were kind of the OG host that started with Ned Sedgwick, who's the third main host. Uh, right. And uh, that was Mae Martin and Bishop K. Ali. Uh, right. And they both moved on at the same time. And me and Heidi Regan, a great podcaster and comedian, uh, <laughs> took over. So basically, right. I'm sure I'm doing a Netflix series or something because... <laughs> following in May's oh I don't know how big May's feet are I'd say size six size six if you have the exact you have
0: to have the exact same size I'm, and shape feet if she's then gone to, to Harry Potter world yeah yeah then you can then you can take I'm looking for uh Emma Watson's work but no one's given it to me at the moment um but uh, it's sort of interesting because there seems to be a lot of I mean I think this is also true of, of me I, mean, I was a very childish man who took a lot I don't think I, I can't really claim to have grown up but I think certainly in my thirties uh, and forties I was I was still sort of struggling with the idea of being a grown-up, but that sort of seems to be the there seems to be quite a few shows about people in their twenties and thirties still not understanding how to cope in the adult world, which is sort of what that's yeah. that, that podcast is about.
1: I think it's is, I think it yeah, I think it's kind of in the latter two series, which are the ones that I worked on, I think it's sort of slightly shifted. So I think initially it was just kind of like ooh, it's like the grown-up world of Radio 4 and, like, what does this teach us about friendship? Um, And in the last two series, it was kind of, like, a bit, like, what is the kind of world that I want to be a grown-up in and, like, how do I sort of work it? Like, we had some... We had a great producer on that show and we had some really interesting guests, like, talking about the brain or, like... And it was sort of just sort of trying to hack, like... I don't know, but probably the eternal question underlying everything, but like, what is, what is like, the, what are the good reasons for being grown up? Like, yeah. what is, what are we making? What are we doing? Like, how should we do it? Um, but really, it's just, you know, chatting, chatting shit, chatting shit in a <laughs> podcast studio. Yeah.
0: That's what, that's what, the, that's all podcasts are. That's all. You did say you worked you worked you have worked on sort of both sides of the camera. You worked on well and, and literally on some of the shows. So you've been a producer on shows and then been a, a sort of guest on shows So Frankie Boyle's yes. New World Order. You you were an assistant producer on.
1: Yes. Uh What what
0: what did the assistant producer do on Frankie Boyle's? What does
1: the assistant produ- well there's there I was like a writers' room AP uh which is a different role uh sort of entirely. Um Oh God. I'm like, okay. So yeah, I was a writer's room AP uh, and that involves sitting in a room uh, and sort of being a sort of go between, between production who are like people working on making the show and the writer's room, which is where all the like magic happens. Um, and like a lot of sort of clips and obviously topical stuff gets fed into the room and like sorts of weird, it doesn't always seem like the stuff that is happening is conducive to the show but then I think the show is brilliant I'm very biased but I think the show is great uh and it's quite scary working on a show which has someone's name on it um that's that's and like not knowing that person but I think right. but I think Frankie's great yeah He's yeah
0: he's he, he seems to be doing a lot again he's getting uh, like a lot of women on the show I've noticed and yeah. you know, and, and being very good at employing He's, different voices
1: he is good at employing different uh different voices i think it's like he, so f- the thing about frankie is that he's sort of like in in the before times uh when i wasn't really like sure who frankie was and stuff the, like i sort of dimly had an idea that he's like had this like sort of controversial reputation but now i think like a lot of people are like who's this like woke dad <laughs> <laughs> Sort of this, like, i think questions. he's definitely
0: things that things have definitely changed a little bit for me he, he's he, he uh i think he he's fell out well I, I didn't i i fell out with him i think in the i think i criticized the joke he did about just dis- i think he doesn't talk to me anymore uh but i'm a massive <laughs> 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 i criticized i criticized like two of his jokes about disability and i think he didn't like it i think that's what it's about but i don't know but he was actually quite a champion of me early on as well well you know that sounds weird because i'm older than him but he he got me on like some of his shows and you know was was a was sort of a fan of mine so I think I, I don't know he seems to have flipped but he did he wrote a book in which he sort of talked about me and Josie Long being raped and stuff like this oh, it was, God. It was, about, it was about seven or eight years ago and now he is quite a sort of it wasn't so bad for me but I know Josie was sort of like uh, found it a bit weird yeah and, no, uh, but, now, kind but of a... now he's now he's sort of turned around and does seem to have, uh, have left
1: that behind yeah I, I th- I think I I I think it's really interesting, like that sort of invective uh, that so like many like comics do or like have done, which can end up being like like misogynistic or like really or just like. And I think it's just like I don't know. I feel I mean I've honestly got nothing but good things to say about Frankie, but I think that that sort of capacity. I think I think I think that. What do I think? I'm trying to say something really wise. I think that what I really love about Frankie is that I think he's just that his like sort of invective and his like anger comes from a really a place of like really believing the things that he says. Yeah. yeah. Um. And I think a lot of people don't. But I think that yeah. what he's managed to do recently and like when I've been working with him is kind of make have a consciousness about like what that means and what his place is in it and also his like authority to say certain things. Um, yeah,
0: I think that's true. I think he, but he is and he's he's so uh, he's a brilliant writer when he writes his columns as well, oh especially my God. they're so they're so incredibly crafted. And I think that's it. It's about directing, you know, and and uh, and you, I could make the same criticism of myself and a lot of comedians from 10, 15 years ago in saying the material you were doing was, you know, stuff that they you wouldn't do now. So I'm not I'm I'm absolutely not um knocking him for that because I think that's for me the learning process is change you know if you want if, if people change their mind and starts doing it the right way then that's a good thing rather than going but you did it the wrong way in the old days or whatever which I think you could make yeah well I also think I think 10 years ago comedy was like in a really different place oh yeah
1: and I think and I think it's like yeah so. I'm so grateful I mean yeah I'm grateful not to, not not grateful not to be doing comedy then although that is exactly what I mean I just think it was <laughs> it was like it's just yeah it's a it's a different place you have to have different skills you get good at different things and so yeah we've all got kind of weak spots because of the particular environment that we sort of were hatched in but hopefully still funny
0: yeah well definitely well that's that's and you you worked on you wrote for horrible histories yes You've, you've worked on you've done quite a lot of it because you're a program associate and some things are writers on the same but that's mm. the same job right
1: yeah it's weird because um, <laughs> i got very i i think i get very offended when people think that i'm uh, like a program like when people don't think i've worked in tv because i've done like i've got like the bruises from tribe i've worked in like lots of different types of tv and really like yeah. sludge at it um it's it's sort of yeah, and I also didn't tell people it was a comic for ages, which was fine because I wasn't, you know, doing anything. I didn't have any sort of... Um, yeah, I, pro- I think Program Associate, I've never had that as a job title. I think it's probably just like an AP or a, a writer yeah. or maybe producing something else.
0: But Because I think a lot of people, do, they, they they try to make out that the, the, a lot of these panel shows don't have... Writers on them when they do have writers yeah. <laughs> and they're largely written
1: it's so, so weird, like I th- so
0: but is it then weird going because you've done so you've done that you've been in the writer's room for some of them and then been on the panel for some of yeah. them which is obviously a transition a few people make. is that a weird transition do you
1: i when you're when I'm on a show, so yeah, I think with frankie it uh that was quite weird because it sort of felt like i've I've done this I've been here I've like been in the audience sort of like being like an extra body in the room laughing if like a sort of weird moment has been like dropped uh so that felt quite cool um i quite like i i really love working with other like comics and writers and i think it's when people try and make out that they are this one genius machine like obviously you are but like you need to other people like you get that from other people like comics love even if they hate people they love people because that's where they get it all from so I've never been, like, that shy about saying that I work with other people. But I think it means different things. Like, I think people have this sort of, like, paranoia about a really constructed comic that doesn't write their own jokes and doesn't have their own voice and is sort of, like, an amalgamation of lots of people. And I think that doesn't, like, the people who are good, that doesn't happen. Like, you know, like, they've they've got that sort of distinctiveness. Yeah. I don't know. There's, like, like ugh, so many good people in sh- I don't know. Whoa.
0: Well, it's like, but it's, there are so the thing with it is there's, a lot of people are on so many shows, they couldn't possibly write. No. All their, they haven't got literal time to write the material for all the That's shows. That's the
1: thing. I'm just like, I don't know how someone like Jimmy Carr could, just yeah. everything that he says, because he's like on everything. But like, he has such a definite like voice and like knows what he does and also like I don't know, I don't, even now I'm like, I'm not sure I'm allowed to say the people that I've written for, but I really like, I have written for some big people and it's so nice, particularly getting to write for women, which I have not done as much um, because of the paucity, another word I'm going to use again, uh, of uh, women who, I don't know, I guess like, I don't know. I think actually there's loads of great women, but. I don't know maybe, maybe they write they I don't know uh, what am I saying when, if, when you're writing for someone and you're like I know I I want to be able to think like you I think it's really great for teaching you how to write because yeah. you can write loads of stuff and be like is this offensive <laughs> like that I've written like oh I'm like this and I you know love car or like whatever you can guess who that is Josie Long um <laughs> I've never written for Josie I she's one of my oh I love JC so much. Uh I don't know if she ever has anyone writing for her I wouldn't
0: have thought so. I, I just don't think, think she, think she I, I, th- I think it's also a little bit you know I, I'm a bit old school about it because when I do those shows I I always want to write my own stuff so I don't I don't take stuff out of the pile of jokes that you can take stuff out of. Um but then I don't get to do that many of them either so it's pretty it's, it's like I've got time to either think about it or just I, you know I sort of feel if you're on those shows a little bit. You should be improvising anyway. So the, I, I, think, I, I, I think even even preparing stuff seems to be cheating to me a little bit. I think you should I thought be... it was
1: all improvised when I first yeah, saw yeah. it. I love the improv of it. And like yeah. when I'm like, like for something like Mot the Week, I'm not going to be like, I just get up there and say what comes into my head because <laughs> I need to be like, how do you spell T-shirt? Uh, <laughs> what jokes can I make about this? But like. I think being a writer, I feel a bit relaxed about it. I know comics, newer comics that have gone on shows like that and are really intimidated because t- like it just seems like this huge alien thing. And I'm like, a studio has been like a job for me so much of the time, like 15-hour days have been like, a, so I'm just like, everyone wants you to do well. But also I'm like, this is a skill that I, I want to write stuff. When I'm like going on those shows, like I definitely um, – get like another writer to like bounce off, but I think it people I think I've seen very funny people over prepare, which they don't need to because they're just so scared of like the television beast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it is, you know, but it's also you get your sh- so when unless you get established, you get your shot and you feel like if you miss mess up your shot that's that could be the end of it. So it's it, you know, it's a it's a very difficult thing. I would like to see more I'd like to see more people getting the opportunity rather than giving the same people hundreds and hundreds of jobs. It'd be nice to spread that out a little bit and, and put newer faces and, uh, and uh, on the TV. But, um, you know, it's part of a big problem now as we're with uh, everything that's been going on. I don't want to get into all that again with the COVID oh, the dis- yeah. destruction of the comedy industry, but, um, Do you do you you have do you have work at the moment? Are you doing? Is there stuff we could look forward to, or is is there stuff you've got? Yes,
1: I am very hashtag blessed. I think it's weird because there's like sort of it's always been weird and competitive in comedy. You've always like got these people who you love and you see all the time, but you're just like, oh, you got that thing. Uh, Why don't I have that? And you sort of die inside. I have been writing on stuff in lockdown. I am also going to be on the new series of a show that is starting up uh, in the autumn, possibly featuring someone that we've already discussed. Um, okay. So that's going to be really fun. Um, yeah. I'm. What am I doing? Spitting image. I'm writing on that. It's oh, yeah. very exciting.
0: I've, I've been trying to write for that this week.
1: Oh.
0: I wrote for the... Am- well, I, uh, I, I want to write a sketch about... Um, Prince Andrew using a spitting image puppet to grope women. It seems like there has to be a sketch about that. I thought I, I just emailed and said, "Has anyone written this sketch?" Because it seems obvious you have to do. It. But it's also very much uh, it's Prince Andrew who I've done a lot of stuff about and ventriloquist dummies and dummies Amazing. which I do puppets which I do stuff about. Amazing. But actually, I'm finding it quite hard to do it to write. I wrote on the um, two sets like the last the last couple of series of uh, spitting image when it was on in the 1990s. So. Uh, So uh, it would be quite nice to go back. But, you know, but it's what you're talking about. You know, when you start out, A, you are writing that sort of stuff all the time. You know, you're doing so many jobs and you learn how to write really succinct sketches that will work on a TV format. And then, you know, you spent 30 years... Forgetting all that and trying to do your own thing, it's actually quite hard to go back <laughs> and, and write <laughs> to write this get to write a sketch um, that will work on Spitting Image, and it might not work. But I'm going to try and do. it. I've tried to do it on Monday and didn't get very far, but I'll try and do it on uh, Thursday. But that's that's quite a long way down the line, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's, yeah, kind, yeah. that's, that's like that's that's, that's that's coming up. But I think it's just yeah. like I don't know. I can't. I now feel like I'm very much in the like <laughs> like trying to do as much as possible part of i mean not trying to survive, like try and like see what sticks throw stuff at all the walls and it's quite like i don't know it i think it would be quite nice to look back when i have 40 years to look back on and be like i've earned the room to do something that's quite <laughs> weird and sounds brilliant yeah. that i wouldn't have dared to do like 20 years ago
0: yeah well but it's also the way you got it. I, I was talking to some i did some little uh, Conflab with some students in newcastle who wanted to you know we're trying to get me to go up there but actually now with the zoom and everything it's easier to do these things from home which i like uh but they were all talking you know talking about how do you should you start writing sitcoms for radio and i go you know you've got to start writing sketches for radio you've got to start really small you know writing, writing sitcoms writing, is r- is
1: for radios <laughs> a new so you've got to
0: start, start small and actually by learning to do all that stuff I do realise, right, there's a show called Weekending I wrote for was the first thing I wrote for, which was a topical show uh, that had been going for years. I found out that, uh, who was it? Uh, oh, Graham Garden, who's in The Goodies, wrote for for Weekending as well. That's how long it was going, that Graham Garden wrote for the second series of Weekending, and I wrote for series like 400 or something. Um, but, yeah, we, I hated doing that show, but the the discipline it gave you in Learning how to write a thirty-second sketch, or a twenty-second sketch, yeah. or a five-second sketch, um, just was incredibly helpful in terms of doing that. But it is very difficult to um, to then go back and just not make your stuff too esoteric. For I think, I think, for, to be honest, the problem with my sketch is that it's going to be hard for a puppet to hold another puppet <laughs> in a way that he can. I it just commits. want him to. Maybe he
1: could hold a person well, for the puppet.
0: <laughs> Maybe he can, but it's like you know he's trying to blame the puppet for everything that he's done. You know. It's it's like an obvious. Oh, let's not talk about it. No, now. don't talk
1: about oh, it because it's going to be let's, on television.
0: Let's, let's, it could be on television. Let's workshop it now. No, let's not. Um, good. Well, I'm glad that you have that you've you've jumped on. You've managed to get on the lifeboats and get some work. Yeah. As the comedy comedy industry
1: crashes. I was going to the keep refusing work <laughs> until they burn another blackbird. I'm like, it's fine, but one black person... <laughs> listen to me it can just be me <laughs> everywhere else
0: <laughs> um but uh, look it's been really lovely to talk to you again i'm glad things are going so well uh, i will we'll meet up again in another year and find out you do I'll, I'll talk if i can live another 20 years i want to talk to you in 20 years time to find out uh, about your comedy and also about your uh, whether you've settled down in a monogamous relationship. Yes. Or or settled down in a monogamous relationship and then left. I'm very interested in finding out both of those things. So I have to stay alive so I can interview you in
1: twenty. You gotta years stay life. alive. I feel Damn. like Billie Eilish. She gets interviewed every year by Vogue, and honestly, I'd rather I'd rather do this. So
0: <laughs> Okay, well, that's good. Well we'll have you back. Uh, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. The amazing Sophie Dooga. See you. We're back next week with Sindhu V. Ooh. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> You have been listening to Rahulastapa with me, Rich Terring, and my guest, Sophie Duca. Thank you to Pest, who are the people who play this music. I don't know if I've mentioned that before. Thank you very much to Chris Evans, not that one, who I'm very much indebted to for all the work he's put into making these shows work during this difficult time. Thank you very much also to everyone at Acast and the British Comedy Guide and Twitch for supporting us in our endeavours. I also would like to thank Ben Walker, our usual producer. And I would like to thank my mum and dad and Donkey from Ali and Herring's Twitcher Fund. Do tune in to twitch.tv slash RK Herring at any time. This is a Sky Potato fuzz and gofasterstripe.com production. Head to roholasper.co.uk slash kickstarter to support our kickstarter campaign and help live comedy. Go gofastestrike.com slash badges if you want to get some badges and help us carry on through this difficult time. Thanks for watching and listening. Goodbye my fine friends. See you on twitch.tv slash RK Herring. Why not my fine friends, my fine friends.
1: Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. No, this isn't a podcast about milk. If you like historical intrigue, a bit of culture, and a sprinkling of controversy, this one's for you. I'm Rachel Stewart, and I'm travelling around Europe. Following the hidden history of everyday things as they're exported through time and around the world, by force, by chance, or by choice. No need to pack your bags. Just subscribe to Don't Drink the Milk wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Thank you very much for listening to my podcasts. Listen to some more. Tell your friends about these podcasts. We're in a very competitive market. And it would be lovely to keep those downloads coming in. The more downloads we get, the more money we make. And the more podcasts we can make for you. It's a beautiful symbiotic relationship. Come and see me on tour at richardherring.com. But otherwise, just, you know, go
2: outside. Enjoy the spring air. It's beautiful out there. I love you all. Goodbye.